Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport, our second daily tennis podcast from Wimbledon 2017, brought to you today from the commentary box, the BBC Radio 5 commentary box here on court number two. It's pretty good, isn't it, David? It's awesome. There are actual people in the stadium still. There's two players still on the court. Svetlana Kuznetsova is set up on Angebeur as we speak to you. And there's thousands of people in the stadium. The They're sun, going to be listening to the this. The sun too. is setting over Wimbledon, but not over court number two. There's plenty of play still on the outside court. Six courts still in action that I can see. Kuznetsova is set up here on Angebeur. But Jabeur giving her a real run for her money so far. She's actually winning over a lot of fans here on court number two. She she plays some swashbuckling tennis right on cue. She approaches the net and knifes away a backhand volley beautifully. Over on court number 16, David, Feliciano Lopez, our dearly beloved Queen's champion, is in a right spot of bother. He's two sets to one down. The score in those two sets, 6-1, 6-1, to Adrian Manorino of France. It's three all in the fourth. He'll be desperately hoping for bad light to stop play. There are reports on Twitter he is experiencing some kind of physical dif- difficulty. He certainly had the physio out there. That would be awfully sad to see yeah. him lose. And it's the story round. of the day, isn't it? It's just been such a disappointing day in terms of players unable to finish tennis matches. We've had two of them involved in the biggest match matches of the day on the centre court and as you say Feliciano Lopez I wasn't aware of him coming in and having any issues at all today but two six one sets Manorino's won he's a good player he ain't that good no just sorry David my attention is distracted because just as you were speaking there Ons went down so so heavily at the back of the court looked very dramatic indeed the umpire straight down from the chair she was crowded around by ball boys and the umpire and a line judge at the back it looked very dramatic at the time she sort of did the splits but she is now standing up and returning to her position receiving serve so potentially just a false alarm on this occasion but it hasn't been a false alarm elsewhere has it and depending on what your perspective is and how you read into these retirements the story is different is the story that it the 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 physical 
the physical challenges of tennis and too many players. I remember there was that year here a few years ago where there were so many retirements, weren't there, on the opening day. And, and that prompted lots of discussion about the length of the season and players being injured and the lack of time in between the French Open and Wimbledon and the lack of time for players to adjust from one surface to another. Today... And yesterday, but in particular today, because it happened on centre court, there were two consecutive retirements uh, by Martin Klijan and Alexander Dolgopolov. The retirements have prompted discussion about whether players who know they can't make it through a first round match are cynically motivated to step onto court anyway because they know they'll collect the prize money check whether they make it to the end of the match or not. That is the topic of debate around Wimbledon today. Yeah, we've, we've just had a, an incredibly passionate half an hour of, of debate about it on Five Live. Mary Pierce and Mark Woodford getting involved and really being quite strong, particularly Mary Pierce, on, on the subject and and giving the, the, the perspective of the players and saying, look, I'm afraid to say players do not think of the fans really in that situation they think am I fit enough to take to the court and the the financial aspects I mean they are considerable here at this particular tournament in this day and age £35,000 comes your way if you take to the court having got into the draw and yeah, I mean, it, it is a factor. Let's be honest. That's a huge amount of money, even to these millionaires. And the the other question mark is, uh, people are saying, oh, well, you know, they, they should be bigger than that, perhaps. They should, they should think of the fans. They should think of the lucky loser who could play in their place. The other thing is, this is Wimbledon. Martin Klesan was playing against Novak Djokovic. Dax Dogopolov was playing against Roger Federer on centre court. When is he going to get that chance again? See, my issue there is I... Look, I can't, I don't know for sure. Without being inside the minds of those two players, I don't know for sure. But I didn't get the impression that it was about the occasion and the opponent today for them. You know, there was no savouring of the moment. Particularly, I I watched Dolgofilov's walk off court and it, it didn't seem to be one of a total totally devastated man whose big opportunity to play Roger Federer on centre court at Wimbledon had been ruined by injury. That wasn't the demeanour that I saw today. It was the sort of shrugged demeanour of a guy that knew that was going to happen and just, oh, well, that happened. I thought it was going to happen. Oh, well. Look, I don't know. And the, and the same with Martin Klijan. You know, Novak Djokovic himself said in his post-match interview with the BBC, he said, I knew there was a good chance that that was going to happen. You know, I'd heard that Klijan was really, really injured. And again, he didn't look utterly devastated that his big moment had been scuppered by injury. Now they could be good actors they could be the sort of people that we were discussing yesterday that don't wear their hearts on their sleeve and show how strongly they're feeling about something at any given moment but I think that's the most positive possible spin to put on it and there could be a very much more negative spin which could equally be wrong we don't know but I know it happens. I know it happens that players step onto court knowing that they won't be able to complete the match with no intention of completing the match to pick up the play check. Whether it happened today, we'll never know. But it does happen and we're naive to think that it doesn't. Well, we we would be naive. And incidentally, if you go back to the US Open of 2015, there were 12 first-round retirements. That caused a lot of this kind of debate at the time. There was one match involving Serena Williams in which her opponent retired after eight games. And Andy Murray, at that time, was asked all about it. And he said, for me, there's such an easy fix to this. If a player is injured and they're directly into the main draw by right on their ranking, just give them the first-round prize money anyway. Don't make them play for it. 
Allow the lucky loser to step in and play that match. Don't give them anything extra at that point. They'll just be delighted to be out there and players don't have to go on the court and embarrass themselves by having to retire midway through a match the way players are having to do when they're injured. Uh, he, he also said, if I'd paid money to watch one of those matches back in 2015, he said, I'd have been annoyed. So Andy Murray is very well aware of the problem. That was his suggestion. You know, let a lucky loser come in and effectively be playing for the opportunity to have second round losers prize money by winning that match. And and the player who has got paid and is injured doesn't bother having to take to the court. That's the suggestion he came up to, uh, came up with. Now, a year and a half later, more or less, the ATP have done exactly that. That happens now in a pilot scheme this year on the ATP circuit. It's working. The problem is the slams don't do it, and they need to start. Yeah, for me, that's game, set, and match. I mean, that, that sounds absolutely ideal. I'm not saying it eradicates the problem altogether. You, you, you can't, and, and you might say it's slightly unfair on the lucky losers, but as solutions go, I think that's pretty nifty. It's rare you have such a, such a convenient fit into a convenient hole in terms of problem and solution. I think it's a total no-brainer. I think it's fantastic that the ATP introduced that. However, the most important place for it to apply to is Grand Slams because that's where the prize money's the biggest. So the ITF need to just wake up to the problem and introduce it and then the debate goes away. Yeah, and the Slams do, you're right. Uh, and uh, it certainly takes away the financial pressure now players may still feel this is my big chance to play Wimbledon centre court against Federer and frankly if they do fair enough to them fair enough you agreed it, but it would take away the more cynical motivation uh, just on that subject before we move on I've very sadly just seen Feliciano Lopez's match disappear from the score screen which given where they were in the fourth set early on can only mean that he has retired from that match I can't confirm yet what the injury is we're waiting for him to come to press but that's just devastating for him, isn't it's it? It's so sad, isn't it? And it, and, and f- yeah, I mean, for him most of all, he's he's probably not going to get that many more chances to be a real contender here. The way he played at Queens, he was a contender here to get deep into the second week. We know what that tournament can do for preparation for players. He was in great form. Look who he beat there, Stan Wawrinka in the first round. He beat Thomas Burdick on his way there. He beat Grigor Dimitrov. He, he, he beat your pick for the final, Marin Cilic. That's right. That's exactly what Feliciano Lopez did just 10 days ago. And here he is, injured, terrible shame. And we, well, we wish him all the best. I feel for him. Really and sorry I'm for really, him. the only good news about this is that I, at the very last minute, removed him from my quarterfinal picks. That's no consolation, I, Catherine. Should I run to the press conference room and mention that to him now? First question, <laughs> in Feliciano. Uh, the bad news is you're out of the tournament. On the plus side. <laughs> He's still in yours, is he? Yeah, he is, yeah. There are no exemptions for injury. Because if we start getting... Oh, I feel for you, David, but well, you should, so we you can't should, make exemptions it's for all injury. It's about me at the end of the day. What a quagmire. We'd be in what a quagmire. Uh, what else has happened today? I mean, there's very little to discuss on the Djokovic and Federer front because their opponents were so hampered and because they spent so little time on court Djokovic joked in his post-match press conference that the two of them should have gone out there and played a practice set together to uh, give why didn't they to give the centre court crowd something to watch and I thought yeah great idea what don't what, joke about yeah, it yeah just just do go it. and do it no one's going to stop you I tell you the most interesting thing for me that I felt I gleaned from watching Novak Djokovic today was not during the match because there was nothing to learn he's a brilliant player he played fine He's through to the second round. The other guy was injured. That's all we know. I got a chance to stand just a few feet away before that match 
on court number 10, where it's just one of the match courts, but they opened it up just for Novak Djokovic and then Roger Federer to have their practice sessions on. And I got to, to stand very close to Team Djokovic, this new Team Djokovic. The shock therapy has led to Andre Agassi and now Mario Ancic in his corner. And it was very interesting to watch them together, both in terms of the, the way things were going. It was Ancic who was doing the hitting with Djokovic. Oh, I didn't recognise Mario Ancic when I saw him he, on the practice He no longer yesterday. has the, sun, the suntan, does he, that these he tennis is players about, have? You know when, those, like, when you're buying fake tan? David Lord does not know about buying fake tan, but just imagine for a moment. They have sort of the shade guides on the side. Do they? He has toned down about 15 shades. Have I got a shade? <laughs> Your shade is about what Mario Ancic is now. Yeah. And, and he's Croatian. And, I mean, he, you know, he used to be a Ah, uh, but he lives in New York now, doesn't he? Although New York's pretty sunny in the summer. Anyway, he's obviously slapping on the fact of 50 because yeah. I really didn't recognise him. He's quite beefy now. He was always such a All right, streaky don't... chap. Well, yeah, he... He was. My mum my used to say he was ever so handsome. But anyway, uh, I digress. <laughs> Mario Ancic, I was standing just a few feet away from with Andre Agassi. There was one moment where a, a loose ball came to Agassi and he just belted it for a clean winner. And, and then he just the crowd went up and Djokovic kind of raised his arm as if to say, come on, yeah, give it, give it up for Andre. And then uh, at the end of the practice session, the three of them came together. And they had like a little three-way fist bump. You know, like, you know, like basketball teams have when they put their hands in together and they go, home team, and all that sort of stuff. Oh, that sounds a bit too peppy for me. Oh, it was great. They're, they're clearly That's the to... sort of vibe that David Law would enjoy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm that's, glad you were there and That's not what me. we do at Tennis Podcast Towers if I'm in charge. <laughs> if Catherine's in charge... Catherine doesn't do fist a, bumps. It's a sort of... Certainly not just, three-way ones. Just go away, David. Anyway... Um, I got to speak to Mario Ancic straight after the practice session. He only spoke to you because he thinks you're half Croatian. Well, actually, and he said that in his first answer to me. I'm sorry about the name-dropping, everybody. Actually, I got told off today by an American listener of ours for apologising for name-dropping. Yeah, but then he said maybe that's just because I'm American, and I thought, it probably is, yeah. (laughs) Oops. Not that it's not... I mean... It's just a very British thing, isn't it? it is to, a very to, British to, thing. to be sort of to, to be inclined to be modest. We apologise to apologise ex- when you're not being. modest. We apologise for existing, really, don't we? That's just <laughs> kind of how we are. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I, I, I asked Mario Ancic, "Can I have a quick word?" He said, "Yes, no problem at all." And, but what he did say to me, he said, "But just about the match, I don't really want to talk about the other stuff." I obviously asked about the what other the stuff. stuff, like peace and love stuff. Well, or? no, no, just sort of the, the dynamic within oh. the team. You know, they don't like giving all that away. But anyway, so I said to I said to Mario, first question, and he said to me, "Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to speak to the BBC," and he said, "And also, of course, to you because you're half Croatian." And that it got cut, David. I know, I was devastated. That's why he's telling this uh, anecdote on the tennis podcast. It didn't get out on Five Live, so it's got to come out here. the cutting room floor in Five Live Towers. It did. So anyway, that happened. Honest, I was there, and there there was no one listening except me. But anyway, he said he gave a very in-depth answer about Martin Kluge and the opponents and so forth. But his answers were very clipped and short about the dynamic amongst the team. That last answer was very clipped and short, wasn't it? He wasn't too pleased with me. Well, you asked him about what's it like you, you phrased it very well you know just about the the, the legend the figure that is on Agassi and you just went yeah it's great <laughs> and that was that <laughs> he was very and that's a wrap desperately trying not to put any noses out of joint but my sense was that this was very much both Andre Agassi and Mario Ancic trying to make the point that, that the onus is on this guy it's about Novak Djokovic it's not about 
Andre Agassi. I, I noticed that Agassi was trying not to sign any autographs as he came off the court. He did do a couple, but he very much sort of wanted to let the focus be on Novak Djokovic. And, and I also think this, these are embryonic stages in their relationship. They're all trying to get to know each other a little bit. It's all a bit polite at the moment, I'm sure. But that little three-way fist bump, I thought, yeah, they're, they're trying to get something going here. And actually... To me, they all seem to be getting along quite famously. So uh, I'm fascinated to see how this one goes. I really am. David Law doing live reporting on a three-way fist bump. So yeah, I'm going to have one later. <laughs> I just need two other people. You were speaking about, you mentioned your honeymoon in the Maldives on the radio earlier, David. That did was I? my highlight of the day. What did I say? You said Roger Federer looks more relaxed coming off his practice court than you did on your honeymoon in the Maldives. True fact. <laughs> True fact. What else has happened today? Angelique Kerber. Uh, won through on centre court, didn't she, against Irina Falcone, who put up a fairly good fight. And it was interesting, I wasn't commentating on that. I was here on court two talking about Del Potro Kokonakis alongside Naomi Cavaday, who was brought into the commentary uh, on centre court on Kerber. And she was asked about how she thinks Kerber has dealt with and enjoyed being the world number one. And she replied, I think she's hated every single minute of it. Which... I agree with, and it's sort of what I've been Do saying you not for a while. That's but a I, bit much. I don't. I don't. I don't think she's enjoyed she's not it enjoyed at all. Being world number one. No, no. I don't agree with that. No, she's she, got to have enjoyed being she, world number she one. She didn't even look like she enjoyed winning on centre court today. She still looked like she had the weight of the world on her shoulders. So you think she'd probably rather be number three seed and you know not talked about too much, and then come up on the rails and win it all? Deep down, yeah. It's difficult to say, you know, you can't say, I'll give the world number one ranking back, please. You can't do that, can you? It's like, I don't know, if you, I'm guessing here, but if you have a child and they're just awful, (laughs) you can't give it back. You can't say, oh, I want to turn back time. You have to love them. But, (laughs) interesting. (laughs) do you know what I mean? (laughs) Anyway, uh, world number one, yeah, Angelique Kerber, I know what you mean. Uh, But it was interesting as well to think that that... Which was a six-four-six-four match, I think, ended up being the best match of the three because the other two were just damp squibs and nothing happened. Well, they got Caroline Wozniacki at the end of the that day. That was a good one. Yeah. Was a good one. She won three, but had some trouble. Yeah, she did. She won it six-one in the third, but she was a breakdown in the third set, and frankly, she was helped by Tamara Babos just fluffing an overhead that could have really. You described it on the radio as one of the worst overheads you've ever seen, and I've seen my own and yours. <laughs> You have, and that is 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 not one of the better it shots in the repertoire. There were line so. judges diving for cover. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, so Wozniacki is through. Kuznetsova looks like she's going through. She's four one up and serving here on court number two. She will play the winner of Alison Van Oitvank and somebody else, which is another match that has mysteriously disappeared from Ooh, my scoreboard, and Ekaterina Makarova. Didn't I put her in the quarterfinals? Makarova has won, 6-3, 6-1. So She's some, in my quarters. The, not all of David Law's predictions are fully in the toilet. That's a very helpful set of uh, rolling results down on the bottom of the screen. Thomas Burdick won through in four sets against Jeremy Shardy with zero fanfare at all because nobody seems to pay attention to him anymore. Maybe he'll go and win the thing. I'd love that. And nobody Just will notice. stuff it up everybody. Go on. 
on, yeah. Thomas. Um, Grigor Dimitrov won through nice and quietly out on one of the more outside courts. I think it'd be quite good for him to just quietly work his way through the draw. He was on court number 12. John Isner beat Taylor Fritz handily three straight sets uh, in the women's event. Who was on court number one? Court number one today on the women's yeah, Caroline side. Caroline Pushkova, can't believe I momentarily forgot her there. She's my pick for the title this year, and I still feel that way having seen her in first round action against Evgenia Rodina on court number one today. She looked yeah, great. You did forget all about her, and uh, <laughs> she wasn't best pleased. She just texted in to, in fact, tweeted into Tweeted? Tweeted to at Tennis Podcast. No, she hasn't really. Uh, she doesn't know anything about it. Uh, although she's probably listening. So hello, Carolina. Uh, she did forget you momentarily, but now she's back on track. Coco Vandeweghe won today. My pick for the final. She did. She was in a spot of bother, though, no. at that stage, wasn't she? No did she go bother set whatsoever. down? No, no. no she, she went a breakdown. Breakdown. Uh, I did hear from Gigi Salmon that it was one of the worst matches she'd ever seen. Brilliant. But... Still, it's I interesting believe. hearing her talk about how the Pat Cash thing came about and how it was going to be just a Wimbledon thing and he said, no, I need some more time for it to bed in. So That's they've a- agreed to work with one another and t- until at least after the US Open. I'd quite like to be in the room when those two have a chat. I think it could be a really interesting conversation because Pat does not hold back, as we know. Do you think they talk about line. politics? I don't know. I really want to know. I want to know what goes on. So I'm going to find my way into one of their lunches and <laughs> eavesdrop. <laughs> On that note, Dominic Team won today, David. My upset watch radar was a bit off today. Yeah, you were all askew, weren't you? Malfunctioned I didn't see much of it, but the scoreline surprised me. I thought Pospisil would challenge more than that. I need that. to be fair and say that I also flagged that one. I mean, Pospisil, uh, he's a former quarter-finalist here. He should... I know he's had a horrible couple of years, but the, surely Come the grass on. is. I know. I don't. I, I, he's had a few injuries, but that's not the whole story. Tell I don't what, know what's I, happened. To I, him. I do wonder whether maybe Team benefited because he practiced with Federer today. Maybe that got him going on the grass. You, you know, say that though, but a lot of the people that I've seen practicing with Federer and Nadal and Djokovic have hit bother this week. That was, or so far this week, two days in. That was something I was noting the other day. I've already forgotten who on earth I was talking about. Robin Harser was somebody that Federer was practising with earlier in the week. He's lost today, hasn't he? He was against Francis Tiafo, and, and I'm just seeing he lost in four sets. That's a good win for Tiafo. Great isn't it? win for Tiafo. His first Wimbledon win. I yeah. love Francis Tiafo. Why is that? He's a great story. He's a great personality. He's got great style on the court. He's a little bit different. He's just great. If he could make it, it's good news for tennis. Sorry, Robin Harser. Right. But that's that's good news. So, so um, I can't remember any. There are definitely other people that have hit with Federer and Nadal this week that have ended up losing. I promise. <laughs> Right. I'll take your word for it, Catherine Whitaker. You've never been wrong before. I'm uh, going to round up a few other things that happened today. Kiki Nadenovic, she looked very good. Sasha Zverev won through. Garbina Muguruza, lots of people thought she might be troubled by Alexandrova of Russia. She wasn't. She won in two straight sets. Kyle Edmund recovered from winning the first set to beat countryman Alex Ward in four sets. What happened with Gasquet and Ferrer? Gasquet was two sets to love down. Did he oh, lose? I don't know. I don't know what happened. I'll tell you what I do want to know about before I go and find out what happened between Gasquet and Ferrer. What happened between Del Potro and Kokonakis? You were on that match. I can't believe I haven't talked about it yet. It was quite the match. There was so much emotion on the court as Kuznetsova and Jabur approached the net. That's Kuznetsova through to round two, six, three, six, 
too. Yeah, so much emotion on the court. As I said, when the draw was done, I was a bit gutted that one of them had to go. I was delighted that physical fitness didn't play a role in that match. It was not a match that was decided by one or the other flaking out physically for once today. It was very much just an entirely tennis-based contest, which was pleasing. Del Potro was just more solid. I did think when Del Potro was on his seventh match point, having failed to close it out on the previous six and having hit a tweener on match point number five, it was completely bizarre. It was just a moment of complete madness. He decided that instead of moving his feet, he would play a tweener from inside the baseline. It was very bizarre. Anyway, he won it in four sets. Kokinakis, I know it's a cliche, but there are a lot of positives for him to take from that match. He was toe-to-toe with, okay, he's the world number 32, Del Potro, but in real terms, and certainly today, he was a top 20 player at least. So big, big news, big, big developments in the early stages of the comeback of Tanasi Kokonaki. It's interesting that Mark Filipousis was courtside today. I understand that their their informal coaching uh, arrangement has been made a little bit more formal. I don't think it's quite a formal... Filipousis are going to travel around the world with him 52 weeks a year, but it's certainly been formalised a little, so that'll be interesting. And Leighton Hewitt was there as well. So as sad as I was to not see Kokonakis not progress, I think it's basically good news for him and obviously delighted to see Del Potro progress. Incidentally, court two... It's a weird one, court two, isn't it? Because it's an entirely ticketed court. And that match should have been absolutely full to the rafters with an extraordinary atmosphere. And it wasn't a bad atmosphere and it wasn't empty, but it didn't have the crowd or the atmosphere that it deserved because lots of people with court two tickets, unlike with centre court tickets where you'd just be so delighted that you've got to spend the day on centre court and you spent so much money on the tickets that you're blooming well going to sit there all day if you've got court two tickets you might spend a large portion of the day wandering around the grounds and seeing what else is going on yeah i mean it's it's one of those that you can understand why wimbledon does it it's another court that they can get some revenue out of and people get their ticket and they want to have their seat and so forth and the matches are good but you're right it is a shame that if they go wandering if they go for lunch nobody else can come in and watch in their place so you do get a slightly depleted atmosphere on court two it's just one of those things just a quick one bernard tomic we haven't spoken about today who he was defeated in straight sets he came into the press conference afterwards he said that he took a tactical injury timeout. He said said a lot of things, David. Just to try to break the rhythm of his opponent. I don't think I've ever heard anybody admit to that before. I mean, that was a startling revelation. He was startlingly honest in that press conference. It was enjoyable from that perspective. It was enjoyable to hear somebody be so frank and honest. And and I I do have time for Bernard Tomic. That might not be a very popular point of view, but I do think he's basically... a a good person perhaps not the brightest in terms of his decision making always it probably wasn't a particularly bright decision to be as honest as he was today he he told all the journalists that he was bored during his straight sets defeat to Misha Zverev he says he can't really find the motivation to play tennis or to train particularly hard he said that he doesn't know where to find that motivation from he can't magic it out of nowhere which it's a terrible it's shame, isn't it's it? It's Wimbledon, and he's saying that. It's it's really quite shocking to hear it. And 
I know that you are somewhat sympathetic to him because you think he's a decent enough lad, having interviewed him a number of times. And I get the sense that he's all right as well. And just he he just doesn't clearly want this that much. He's not that bothered. It's not really for him, I guess. Yeah, he's burdened with talent, isn't he? Well, he's burdened with... I don't know, he just... Yeah, he does this... Yeah, he does it because it's probably what you easier and more lucrative than any, anything else yeah. to do because he's so talented that it's not that difficult for him to be a top 50 tennis player. I know he's outside the top 50 at the moment, but if he's doing what he's doing and earning a decent wage packet without really caring or being motivated... I mean, I do think there's an argument for finding him though for what he said in terms surely of surely the, the, the injury timeout thing. He has yeah. to be. If you admit that you've basically abused the rules in order to put your opponent off, you, we can't be having that. I assume he will be. Yeah, I, 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 I can't mean, believe he won't be fine. That's a code that. of conduct for me. So yeah. Misha Zverev benefits from the boredom of Bernard Tomic yeah. and progresses. Oh, just a quick morality. note on on the contrary to all of that. I mean. Just a word on Jack Sock, who, who put out a tweet today, having won his match in four sets. Goodness knows how he did it. He was walking around in what looked like a boot he, or something he, the other day. He had day. a sort of bionic foot going yeah. on at Queen's. Yeah. He did. So, well done for getting out on the court and winning his match. Also, I think he... I don't know what he threw. I think he threw a towel into the crowd mm. aimed at one particular lad. And it was snatched away from the boy that he was aiming it at. And he's put out a tweet tonight, Jack Sock, and said... If anybody knows who that boy was that didn't get the towel that I tried to throw to him, let me know because I'm going to go and sort him out and, and, and give, it, give him a towel and sign it for him. Oh, That's nice, isn't it? It's nice. Yeah, good for him. It's nice to be nice. Yeah. I've got to go on the radio very quickly, David, so we'll come back in a minute uh, with our preview of day three. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So I think we've covered all the main results and stories from an eventful and intriguing day two not necessarily for the right reasons but it's certainly given us a lot plenty to talk about so what do we have on day three well center court really has the best of it on day three and so it should obviously it's center court but it really really has the best of it tomorrow it has murray conta and nadal yeah it starts with joe conta against donna vekic which was a final wasn't it just a few weeks a couple of weeks ago in nottingham was it i think it was yeah a cracking match as well and uh donna vekic who i mean she's had some pretty lean years on the court the last two or three years having broke on the scene as a 16 year old she's 21 now and we haven't heard too much about it we had her as a guest on the tennis podcast going back about five years ago now four or five years ago and she looked like the starlet who was going to make it big in the sport and really she hasn't done a huge amount starlet well is that a good word i don't like that word, you don't like David. that word why is that because i think star is a gender neutral word right is starlet a, a gender you wouldn't call neutral word I think I so, yeah. Think I, I, think new, I don't think I, I brought think gender into it. I think it's the feminine of star. Is it? Yeah. Well, it wasn't the intention. Anyway. I, I, well, well, I'm anyway. quite happy to be called a starlet. <laughs> Fine. Great. Okay, starlet. Right, she was a star Noted in the making. Future. Catherine Whittaker's put me in my box <laughs> immediately here on the tennis <laughs> podcast. Thanks very much for that. Uh, Johanna Conta is going to play Donna Vekic, who is not a starlet, everybody. She's a star, <laughs> She's a star. or she would have been if she'd had better tennis results. Anyway, she had a good one against Joe Conta, and Conta now is very much the one who's favoured to, to win that match on paper. But could be interesting couldn't it certainly could be interesting Who's win? yeah i think i i think conta is going to win all right fine but uh, it could be interesting i thought suwei shea would make it interesting yesterday and that wasn't particularly interesting so. no well anyway just as conta's very very good andy murray against dustin brown as i said yesterday i think it'll be entertaining but actually the way that dustin brown plays will bring out the best in andy murray i think it'd be an entertaining straight setter fine Probably agree. Rafael Nadal against Donald Young. Oh, poor old Donald Young. He's going to get eaten for breakfast, <laughs> using for breakfast that old again, phrase again. Sorry. He's going to get eaten for, eaten for brunch. Anyway, uh, court number one, Kane Ishikori against Sergei Stokowski, who knocked out Roger Federer when he was 116 He's in the world. He's qualified here this year, Stokowski. Uh, I think much as Nishikori isn't in love with the grass, I think he will win tell you what that. that is a really interesting match isn't it a, a proper baseliner and somebody who takes the ball incredibly early in Kane Ishikori against Sergei Stokowski who's going to serve and volley chip and charge I'd like to see that but I'm, I'm quite sure you probably can see it David you, you're in you're in the right job <laughs> if you want to see it right nobody nobody bother me for the two and a half hours that that's on 
I don't care about the fact that I'm supposed to be doing Andy Murray commentary on BBC Radio 5 Live. That text has just come through. Anyway, uh, ladies' singles to follow. Women's singles, that's what it should say, isn't it? Uh, Wang against Venus Williams. I'm reading off the app, everybody. Kian Wang, coached by Peter McNamara. Oh, yeah. That's good knowledge. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah, he's been coached. She's been coached by Peter McNamara for quite some time. He does some work with the Chinese Federation, but she's his main player. They met in the first round of the French Open, and Venus won quite handily. And she's better on grass than she is on clay. But then Qian Wang, well, actually, no, I, I'm not sure how good Qian Wang is on grass. She's she barely played on grass before right. in her career, according to Peter McNamara. Well, we'll find so out tomorrow. Venus Day is three that, of Wimbledon. Simona Halep is on after that against the uh, Brazilian woman Beatriz Haddad Meyer, who beat Laura Robson in the previous round. She didn't take an awful lot of beating, but yeah, she no, did. No, it wasn't one of Laura Robson's greatest days. Number two court starts at 11.30 with Heather Watson against Anastasia Savastova, who I tell you what, she's had some results lately. She has had some Mallorca results. champion. I think that might be a bridge too far for Heather Watson. Really? I'm sure she'll fight gutsily. As Gutsily. Heather Watson does, but I, I, yeah. I think Sevasta is really good. She is good. She beat Joe Conter at the US Open last year. Uh, Joe Wilfred Songa against Simona Bellelli will follow that. Then it's Marin Cilic, the finalist here this year against <laughs> Florian Meyer. And uh, Cilic is winning that. Yep. Uh, Any upset alerts for us, David? Alina Vesnina against Victoria Azarenka. I don't know whether who <laughs> would be the upset there because I the seeded player is Vesnina. But that's not an upset of former world number one beats. Great match. Is that court number three? Yeah, I'm going to watch that one. No, I've already said I'm going to watch the one between Nishikori and Stakovsky. There's enough of you to split in half, David. Or two TVs. You could could form sort of two average sized people (laughs) out of one David Law. (laughs) Very true. Uh, Alias Bedene against. Damir Juma after that. I'll tell you what, you wouldn't want to be a tennis ball in Camilla Georgi against Madison Keys, would you? No, but Madison Keys looked good yesterday. I think Keys is coming through that. I don't know what Georgie's been doing for the last year or so. She went love five down against Elise Cornet in the first <laughs> round after about 11 minutes and still won. So she's been doing that for starters. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, are there any, oh, I'll tell you what, Yelena Ostapenko is out on court number 12. That's quite difficult. Fourth match up. Although her opponent, Francoise Abanda, I saw her lose six love, six, six love. love Who was that to? Six love to Wozniacki Ooh. in the first round of the French. That's yeah. just plain mean, isn't it? Yeah, she was pretty upset as she left the court there. So yeah. let's hope she's a better grass quarter than let's she Let's see who the quarter. TBA match is, because they always put these matches to be arranged, don't yeah, they? Yeah, Wozniacki was TBA today, Bashinsky, Jeannie Bouchard was TBA yesterday, and that didn't pan out too well for her. Do you know who floods of tears as she left the court. This year's champion is uh, TBA today, uh, for tomorrow rather, Petra Kvitova up against Madison Brengel. That is TBA. So if matches on centre or court one or court two go really quickly, it will be chucked on there, won't it? I once one held a koala with Madison Brengel. I know that's not a <laughs> a name drop of David Law-esque proportions, but yeah. You don't get that one. <laughs> Where did that happen? It happened at a zoo in Melbourne. Right. <laughs> you know how the Australian Open do... Um, Little, they call them colour opportunities, colour vision opportunities, where they take players out and about in in the Melbourne what, wilderness. You've got to go hold a koala. And crews are invited along to, for a you know for just a little feature opportunity. And they took uh, Madison Brengel after she, I think she reached the fourth round. They took her to the Melbourne Zoo a couple of years ago. I mean, it wasn't as good as the. Uh, guide dog puppy vision opportunity, which was officially the best day of my life, but. 
uh, there was we held a koala. That's that's the punchline. Is that going to help a win? Oh, we sort against... of stroked a koala. While some you actually can't hold a koala. The public can't hold koalas in Victoria, in the state of Victoria. You can in Queensland. I've held a koala in Queensland, but you can't in Victoria. So you have to have an official designated person holding the koala. And you just stroke. Who made up that rule and why? It seems completely arbitrary, doesn't it? it? It's something to do with the protection of the species. Right. On that note... <laughs> this has been the Tennis Podcast. You, this... you, you wouldn't guess it, but <laughs> it's the uh, koala special. This has been the Tennis Podcast. Koala special on day two of Wimbledon 2017. We have, as always, been brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. And we'll be back tomorrow. 